0: This is Around the A, a weekly look at the top stories, news, and interviews from the NHL's top developmental lead with your hosts, David Foote and Patrick Williams on the Sports Podcasting Network. The A is back on the Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, A little bit of a break due to some busy schedules, but uh, in two weeks, a lot goes down, and there's a lot to talk about this week with myself, David Foote. And Patrick Williams, of course, Uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, Lots of good stuff to come up on the show here this week. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, what everybody seems to be talking about, uh, the coronavirus and how it's affecting things. We're going to chat with Rob Lopolis, the voice of the Binghamton Devils, about why that team has been so red hot of late. And uh, Jerry Cantlin from Hartford, is going to join us a little bit later on uh, once more to update how things are going with the Wolfpack and talk about some other storylines around the league. Um, Pat, it's been a busy couple of weeks for both of us. Uh, it's nice to be back, though.
1: Yeah, it is, uh, and you're not kidding. Uh, we've had, uh, well, in the past uh, what 15 days, we had NHL deadline, we had the AHL deadline, uh, we've had all sorts of uh, shifting in the standings, uh, we've had an affiliation change. Uh, we have potential affiliation changes still to come. And <laughs> last but not least, uh, like you said, this uh, uh, Corona health issue. Um, uh, wow. This is a, uh, a storyline I don't think any of us saw coming uh, or when the season started uh, or even maybe uh, a few months ago. But uh, certainly it's uh, taking the entire sports world and really really uh, all of society uh by storm and uh you know i think uh, this is a situation everybody's trying to feel their way through it and uh come up with some sort of plan on the fly because uh it's not looking good right now
0: no it's not and uh, we're gonna get into how Uh, That situation is affecting the American Hockey League uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But we'll kick things off the way we always do here on Around the A. And uh, well, first, we'll remind you that you can uh, get us uh, online on the Sports Podcasting Network and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe uh, and rate the podcast as well so we can uh, keep getting some numbers on how this thing's doing, uh, 19 episodes in. But uh, as we do most weeks, uh, we'll start with a recap of... Uh, some of the stories of the past week and a little bit of who's hot, who's not. And it's uh, tough to ignore the Providence Bruins, Pat, when you pull up the standings and you look at an 11-game win streak uh, that's part of a 12-game unbeaten streak. Uh, Providence Bruins getting hot at the right time here.
1: Yeah, this is classic Providence Bruins. Uh, They always seem to have a slow start in the first half, uh, and then the second half rolls around, and uh, they find their stride. And uh, it's never um, typically a team full of stars, uh, you know, and and super top, top prospects, but it's a lot of good prospects. Uh, I think they make up... uh, More in quantity rather than just the the top high end guys, and uh, they always seem to find a a few good veterans there, and have excellent head coaching staff. I mean, Providence over the years has been a factory for NHL head coaches. Uh, Peter Laviolette came through there, Uh, Scott Gordon came through there, Mike Sullivan uh, right down the list, Bob Francis way back uh, when. Uh, So it's the kind of place you can go Uh, as a young head coach. It's very patient way of doing things and uh, the oldest uh, affiliation in the entire American Hockey League. It's uh, uh, really successful. They've won 11 in a row, tying a franchise record that they uh, first uh, established back in 98, 99. Uh, That was a team that Providence team was a pretty wild story. Uh, They had a 70 point turnaround from the previous season. Uh, They went on to win the Calder cup that season and uh, send a a fair number of guys onward to the NHL for a while. So uh, it's a real proud uh, uh, AHL city. Uh, They've had a long history there going back to the Bruins and even back beyond then to the Providence Reds. Uh, This team this year, they're looking really good. They're one point out of uh, the Eastern Conference lead. And uh, if they can jump ahead of the Belleville Senators and Hershey Bears, uh, both them and the uh, both Boston and Providence uh, respectively would be leading their conferences. So uh, it's a real testament to what that uh, entire team and and that farm system has done uh, this season.
0: Yeah, if you want to know uh, more about the Providence Bruins, go back to some of our uh, older episodes of Around the A. We had John Ferguson Jr., uh-huh. uh, their general manager, on earlier on in the year. And a lot has changed since then, but still a good kind of uh, barometer of, of the expectation and, and you know outline of what that franchise is all about.
1: Yeah, uh, that's an excellent point uh, because uh, they don't tend to uh, um – Change things all that much from one season to the next. There's a lot of stability there. Uh, John Ferguson has been there. Ferguson Jr. has been there for a while. Um, uh, Head coaching staff, uh, those guys, when they get that job, they tend to stay there. Uh, It's a very good setup. Um, It's a nice city. It's an hour away from Boston. uh, And and the eyes of the Boston Bruins management uh, are always on you. I mean, anytime you go into Providence, You're going to see uh, Boston uh, management there uh, taking in the game. Um, Just a real, real top-notch setup uh, that they've had there for years and years. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, they're kind of the – the real standard uh, that was first set uh, back in the 90s when the hole was a much different place. Uh, they've carried that through really all, all, all along. Uh, and yeah, they've had a few uh, lean years uh, over you know going back to that 1992, 93 first season uh, with the Bruins, but uh, for the most part it's been a very successful affiliation uh, and uh, this year looks like more of the same.
0: If we look at other teams who are streaking, there's not a lot of, of long streaks. And what I've found in my short time covering this league is that this time of year, uh, whether you're in the playoff race or not, things get a lot tighter. Uh, the teams that uh, had been pretty successful over the previous weeks and months tend to maybe hit a bit of a speed bump as the playoffs approach. And I think we're we're falling into that a little bit more now where you've got lots of teams that have you know, one, two, or maybe three in a row, but nobody, you know, on the same level as Providence for sure. And then you've got the Binghamton Devils who have won six in a row, uh, but they've just been uh, on fire, you know, since the Christmas break, pretty much. And again, we're going to chat a bit more about uh, them with Rob Lopolis coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, do you find that, too, Pat, that, you know, teams uh, tend to really buckle down this time of year, um, regardless if they're in the playoff picture or not?
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the real uh, interesting kind of uh, aspects of the American Hockey League. Uh, the first, really almost the first half of the season in a lot of cases is just uh, teams f- uh, kind of feel, feeling their way through, uh, you know, in any given year. Uh, You're looking probably 40 to 60% of a team changes over uh, from one season to the next. And uh, it takes a while to get uh, the systems down, to get the personnel down, to get the roles down. Um, But uh, the second half rolls around, teams start to find their way. And then uh, just in time for that, the the trade deadlines arrive. So uh, you get another um, bit of upheaval. So it's it's a real, uh, I guess I would use the word volatile time of the year in terms of Mm -hmm. – where teams are at, their performance, their cohesion. And, uh, you know, know, within the next couple of weeks, uh, if not sooner, we'll start having some of those uh, guys coming out of the CHL, the NCAA, NCAA. some guys that come over from Europe. So you get a whole nother influx of uh, young players. And sometimes those guys are the real game breakers. You get your first round picks that are coming in. Um, you know, I think the most famous example, of the American hockey league is back in 2004 um, or the flyers. They had uh, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter uh, join what was then the Philadelphia Phantoms uh, for the playoffs and come in there and just a uh, real dominant uh, performances. And they went on to win the cup that year. Um, right. It's not always that dramatic, but uh, you can get some of those high, high-end guys that come in there uh, really as kind of a stopover uh, on their way to the AHL. Zach Wierenski came in a few years ago for the Lake Erie Monsters, right as they uh, were about to en- embark on a Calder cup run. So um, it- it's the time of the year where it's uh, even more difficult uh, really to uh, prognosticate where teams are and where they're going. Uh, and that's why, I mean, this league is, I mean, if the NHL is parity, then the, uh, the HL's, uh, parity times 10, because, uh, you know, week to week, the rosters change so much that you really don't know what you have. Uh, and the opponent you maybe faced a week or two ago, uh, that wasn't, uh, at their best now can all of a sudden be hitting their stride. So it's, uh, you really have to be ready every night. And especially now you get into these three and three weekends, uh, fatigue sets in and, uh, you know, really can, uh, uh kind of upset the apple cart a little bit, uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of teams now right now are finding uh, themselves in that win one, lose one um, type of situation. and It's been uh, it can be a really difficult time of the year to make up ground.
0: Yeah. And if we look at who's been cold, uh, the Belleville Senators have been one of those teams. They've only lost two in a row, but uh, six and four in their last 10. And it's been a while since the North Division leaders were um, having so much trouble, let's say, or or in such an uh, inconsistent uh, stretch where they you know weren't winning three at a time or four at a time and then losing one, so that's one of them. Uh, you also go down to San Antonio and look at a three game losing streak there. They're also six and four in their last ten, and uh, that's pretty well since returning home from their big road trip following the news of the team leaving town, so uh, you wonder how much trickle down effect that's having uh, on things in San Antonio and then the Toronto Marlies, they've only lost one in a row Well, one, but uh, three and seven in their last 10 and just dropping further and further and further out of the playoff picture, which is still such a strange thing for one of those teams that it seems like is always a guarantee to be there.
1: Yeah, they always are. Uh, this uh, they're they're on track right now. We missed the playoffs for the first time since 2011, which uh, you know, in AHL terms, is you know, might as well be 30 years. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you don't generally see sustained runs to success like that. Uh, at this level just with the amount of turnover that you uh, have from one season to next. but uh, yeah this has been a team that's really been in free fall you know for the last three to four months uh, ever since Sheldon Keith left. Uh, at that time they were uh, battling for first place and uh, looking really good and it's been a struggle ever since they've uh, not really gotten themselves uh, on track. they've only had 12 wins. Uh, really, in almost the past uh, three and a half months, which is uh, decidedly on Marley's, like, uh, you know, to say the least. Uh, but uh, they're now seven points out of the playoffs going into this week. Um, they would have to climb past. And at least uh, three different teams just to even hit that fourth place uh, spot in the North Division. And that's probably the most attainable spot they're in right now. And the Binghamton Devils hold that spot. And they're, they're just absolutely on fire right now. So uh, unless Toronto can somehow uh, start to really uh, make up some ground here, uh, starting with a game in Bridgeport this week, but then they go into Hershey, and that's a tough, obviously a, a tough uh, spot to win. And then they play the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, so they have, a, they have a they have the rope or. Uh, uh, real tough road cut out for them uh, coming here. And then they uh, arrive back home. They get the Rochester Americans, the Grand Rapids, Griffins, Belleville, and then Grand Rapids again. So uh, the schedule is not favoring the Toronto Marlies. And I think this is uh, looking more and more like the year that uh, the uh, Marlies finally stumble. Um, They won the Calder Cup in 2018, went back to the Eastern Conference final last season, pushed Charlotte to six games. But uh, this season's been a real tough fight for them, uh, really ever since uh november um greg moore came in uh as, as the uh, replacement head coach uh, and this hasn't uh worked quite out but worked out for him uh ever since he got there in terms of winning and it's been kind of a uh, a merry-go-round in terms of goalies and just um you know this the overall team just has not been cohesive and uh you know this definitely does not look like the marley's that uh you know we're well accustomed to
0: yeah another uh Cold team, if you will, is the Cleveland Monsters. Um, Well out of the playoff picture, and so it's probably not worth dwelling Uh. on uh, them a whole lot. I mean, I was in Cleveland last weekend with the Senators. Uh, Unbelievable building, let me just say, and and perhaps one of the best game day experiences in the American Hockey League. But this team has just absolutely been um, decimated by injuries to some key guys, And, and moreover, Columbus was decimated with injuries to key guys forcing a bunch of call-ups and a lot of those guys not eligible to come back now even if Cleveland was to make the playoffs so um, I think at this point the monsters are kind of focusing on on next year Um, but just to go back to San Antonio Pat do you think that the news and things like that are having an effect on the way that that team is playing right now?
1: Yeah, I do. And it's a shame because they had such a good road trip. They won six out of the 10 games, uh, came back in pretty good shape, uh, survived that road trip, which typically most seasons is what does them in. And then they come home and they just haven't been able to hit their stride. And that's a difficult situation to walk into. Uh, uh, just for one, you've been on the road now for for the better part of a month. They, they were home for a bit, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of actually playing a home game. And uh, just uh, everything I've heard from the, you know, San Antonio fan base is, uh, I'm not sure it's so much anger from the fan base. It's just uh, uh, a little bit of apathy setting in and just, you uh, Uh, fans all sort of starting to check out, uh, you know, it's sort of the mentality Well, you're leaving us. Well, okay, well, we're not so interested in you anymore. And uh, you know, especially for a team that's uh, a 500 club uh, that's uh, not had a ton of success. um, It's under, it's easily uh, understandable why the fan base uh, uh, might not be all in with that team, uh, especially in a place like San Antonio, Uh, Warm spring weather comes pretty quickly there, Uh, and uh, you know, for a club that's not going to be around, uh, you know, beyond beyond the end of this season, and certainly the nature that it went down in terms of the announcement, uh, it's not all that surprising that the fan base there is. more or less, I think started to check out, and inevitably that affects the club because uh, you know you're not getting that home ice advantage, you're not getting that support, and uh, you know especially when you're in a playoff fight, uh, you need every advantage you can get. So uh, yeah, this is starting to look like another another tough finish for San Antonio.
0: Yeah, and and coming into the week, they're not in a bad spot. Uh, they've got a game at hand on the fourth place Chicago Wolves, mm-hmm. three games in hand on the fifth place Rockford Ice Hogs, and they're only two points back. So. Uh, a push could get them into the playoffs. And uh, let's be honest for for the fans in San Antonio, I think that would mean a lot at least yep. to get one more one more ride in the postseason with those guys. And uh, as we're gonna talk about in a uh, uh, segment coming up in just a little bit, it's an interesting situation for these players now who, for the most part, are property of the St. Louis Blues, but there's gonna be more of a move because the Blues affiliate is, uh, going to Springfield so we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later on and how that might be affecting things uh, as well uh, so that's who's hot and who's not this week again among the uh, hot teams is the Binghamton Devils uh, they have jumped into a playoff position after being in the basement really of the uh, American Hockey League's North Division for a good chunk of the season we'll find out uh, what led to the switch and to talk about some of the fun initiatives they've been doing down in Binghamton well up in Binghamton I suppose depending on where you're listening But uh, when you're winning, uh, it's a whole lot more fun. And Rob Lopolis, the voice of the Binghamton Devils, uh, joins us next to talk a bit about how things are going It's around the a on the sports podcasting network episode 19 of our first season here uh, with david foot and patrick williams Uh, time to head to uh, binghamton where we'll talk about uh, perhaps the hottest team in the american hockey league uh, over the uh, uh, second half of the campaign Uh, the devils are right in the thick of the north division playoff race and uh, rob lapolis the uh, voice of the uh, devils is with us on the line Uh, hey rob how are you man
2: Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Good, good. Uh, we haven't uh, chatted in a while because it feels like it's been forever since uh, uh, the Devils and Senators played each other, which is rare. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the overall uh, affiliation between uh, Binghamton and New Jersey. Uh, obviously, this was a, uh, a partnership that got struck when the Senators moved out this way. And um, I think, the like Belleville, you guys have seen a lot of up-and-down Uh, between uh, the nhl and the ahl
2: clubs uh how would you describe the uh, the affiliation overall it's been great so far uh i mean ever since they they came into binghamton it was um you know hey we we we're here to to stay we're here to make an impact uh on the community as well uh they're big on community events as well um and then you know not only that but but on the ice and the first two seasons you know when um the affiliation changed. The Senators didn't make the playoffs for quite some time prior to leaving. So you get the new affiliation in and then a couple of, you know, tough years early on. Um, but I, I think that you're starting to see, you know, you're starting to see a lot of the guys kind of coming on in that, uh, you know, in the, the the draft picks. And that's great to see. We have, you know, there's been times where there have been tons of draft picks in the lineup uh, for the Devils. And that can be a good thing and it can also you know sometimes uh, hurt you as well but i think that you know so far here and, and you're starting to see everything kind of pay off right now and it's it's been quite the turnaround since uh, mid december and i'm i'm i know the the fans are excited about it and i think the biggest thing that we're seeing you know here right now is is how new jersey fans are paying attention now um you know, they're asking how they can watch games, you know, how they can get tickets, stuff like that. So it's it's pretty cool to see it. Um, and it's it's been fun to watch. And I think, you know, one of the best things talking with, you know, head coach Mark Dennehy is, um, you know, they really wanted to work on defensive zone coverage and, and not just, you know, defense. It's OK, can the forward, how you know, I want the forwards to you know, fit, uh, back checking aggressively, goaltending. Hey, let's get the puck out of the zone quick, you know, out through center ice into the offensive zone. And we've seen that. I mean, it's it's been twofold. You, you're seeing guys, I mean, some of the back checks that we've seen, the small things that, that you know, you look for in games uh, has all improved. And it's it's been great here to see uh, and happy for the, the fans, um, happy for the players and, and everyone paying attention.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since uh, a, a Binghamton team has got into the postseason. You're in the midst of that battle now. Uh, how has that kind of changed uh, the focus around the team? Are more people uh, starting to tune in? You mentioned, like, the Jersey fans yeah. are, are getting on board. Is, is that starting to rally
2: people there a little bit? It's, oh, totally. I mean, social media, too. I mean, you know, and because I, I help, you know, uh, we have – addy does all our social media but you know on the road I'm, i you know we try and do a lot of stuff on the road um sure. to kind of not give the impression that we're on the road but you know we are and um you know so i see all the comments and everything and you know first half of the year it was tough to it was tough to log on i won't lie but uh you know ever since mid-december you know there's so many you know we we just surpassed thirty thousand followers on twitter um and and New Jersey's sharing things. Uh, the New Jersey Twitter account, they have, you know, team reporters. Uh, Amanda Stein, I don't know if you follow her. She um, is a team reporter for New Jersey. She starts to share a ton of stuff, and, I mean, we're getting a lot of traction. And it, it's it's fun, um, and I just hope that, uh, you know, if, if they can get into the playoffs, obviously the hardest part is going to be getting in, in, in my mind, Um you know, I, I think we could see a pretty good influx of of New Jersey fans making their way to Binghamton.
1: Rob, uh, you, you look at Mark Dennehy's, an interesting uh, uh, background, uh, 13 years at the college level, Merrimack. Then he was hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, actually two summers ago to coach in the ECHL, actually never ended up there. Uh, instead, uh, uh picked him off and uh, put him, uh, or I should say, the Devils did that. So, uh, what kind of growth have you seen from him in the last, uh, you know, year, year and a half uh, as he adjusts to the pro game? It's
2: it, it, it's kind of tough to, you know, I even if I was to ask um, ask him, I think you know you'd get different uh, a different answer maybe, but. I, I think, you know, in talking with him, it's the whole, you know, the, the biggest adjustment. And I mean, if you think about it, it just kind of makes sense is, you know, you don't have to worry about students and grades. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you don't have to worry yeah. about recruiting. Um, you got to worry about other things. And I think, you know, one of the things, too, is, OK, these guys are pros. You know, these guys are college kids. OK, um, it's OK. OK you're going out as a team for a meal rather than, you know, now in pros, okay, you're on your own for a meal. Um, You know, when to, when to push them, when to not push them. And I think one of the things too in in talking with him is um, practices. He has brought up a lot, the length of practice at this time of the year, we just had two, three and threes. um, And he brought up, you know, mentioning uh, the, the time of length of practice, Um, captain, uh, the the captains used uh they pulled their captain's card to to -hmm. get a day off this past week after a three and three um so he's got incentives kind of going like that so it's uh, it's just i think the you know the biggest difference obviously is the the age of the players um you know not having to deal with recruiting and keeping Mm -hmm. uh what is it 2.50 gpa or or, or, 12 credits in college so
1: that December turnaround, you're 26 and 9 uh, since starting off. Uh, I think it was 17, 14 and 4. Um, obviously, I mean, this league is is uh, volatile uh, many seasons and you, you can see turnarounds, but uh, this has been, I think, especially dramatic. You mentioned that back checking, that better commitment to defensive play. What else have you seen from this team? Kind of just. On the ice, but also the mentality around the club uh, as this winning has picked up.
2: Yeah, I mean, talking with uh, Ryan Schmelzer, who was the AHL Player of the Week, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting a quote from him. You know, he says he's having a blast. Everyone's having a blast, and I think that I think that goes somewhat unnoticed. Where uh, you know the the more fun you're having, you know, I think you, it just translates everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it translates to. Uh, front office, it translates to um, you know just being on the bus, every in the lock, everything. i it, It's one of the things that I have noticed is just the how much you know. It's always fun, right? But yeah, you know, it's more fun. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. in a, a better mood, um, and I think that the you know you, you talk about the small things like yeah, I just mentioned like getting the puck out of the zone quickly, uh, getting the puck into the zone. I think one of the things that I've noticed the most is the amount of time they spend in the offensive zone. And mm-hmm. it's, it's working along the walls. It's keeping that defensive unit out there longer and then almost pouncing in, in a way. Um, you know, I, they're, they're so good along the wall. Like a lot of big guys, Baddock, Bastion, McLeod, when M- Mikey's up in New Jersey, but when they're together, mm-hmm. I mean, you throw that puck into the corner, it's like you're taking a punishing. And, and yeah. it's it's something you know, the offensive zone pressure I think is the biggest. If I could pick something, you know, other than getting the puck out of the D zone quickly, yeah. but it's it's the amount of time they spend in the offensive zone, the amount of shots they're getting on net. You go back and look from that mid December until now, how many times they've outshot teams, how many yeah. times they've had more than thirty five shots on net, um, and. That's something that, you know, in the past two seasons, the shot differential was easily negative, you know, 100, 200 at the end of the season. This is yeah. the first time that the shot differential has been a plus and the goals as well. So um, that all attributes and I, I think, you know, getting goals like that and, and, and getting a lot of shots on net, the amount of time they've spent in the offensive zone has been really good. The forecheck too, and I mean, and I'm not just talking about, you know, hey, let's pass the puck around and and you know, hold it along the wall and and so on and so forth. This is okay. These they're bringing it out of the zone. Let's attack them as they're bringing it out of the zone. They force so many turnovers in the offensive zone as well, um, and that that goes along with it too. We're
0: chatting with the voice of the Binghamton Devils, Rob Lopolis. You mentioned uh, having fun, and obviously that comes a lot easier when the team is winning and playing as well as it has. Uh, you guys have done a lot of fun stuff off the ice as well. Uh, m- perhaps most memorably, your slap shot Weekend when you and Jill yeah. Sen recreated that. Man, I was losing it uh, when I saw that. It was It's one of the best things and perhaps one of the best executed theme nights that I've seen uh, around. Um, how, how well is that stuff going over and how much more willing are the guys to get involved with that sort of thing given the state of the team right now?
2: I think, you know, it, anytime you're winning, um, you know, people are, are more willing to do things like that. But I think, you know, it's, it's um, when a team is losing, I think you need things like that more. Um, and this is like from the, you know, front office standpoint where, yeah. okay, maybe you're not doing so well on the ice. Let's Let's come up with some fun stuff. Let's, you know, let's get fans laughing. Let's get fans, you know, you, you got to... Counter, I guess you know, winning is you know not every team wins, right? So, um, but this was an idea we came up with where, okay, you know, how many teams have done slapshot weekends and and brought the Hanson brothers out and and everything, which is all fun, I love it. Uh, but we wanted to kind of do something different, so we had the the I was like, I don't know, the, the Broom County Blades, uh, they were the team, you know, in slapshot where. The Hanson brothers made their debut, um, so that was something that that we were able to take advantage of. We had the jerseys, we got guys to come out. Not the Hansons; they were that's a uh, you know, it's a little bit more money, but <laughs> yeah, you get these you get guys who are in the movie, right? Uh, the Dave Killer Carlson, you know, he had a big role in the movie as well, and and the captain is from the the Chiefs, and they loved it. They're like, oh, this is great. We've never seen this before, um, and then ironically. We had a season ticket holder who was in the movie, right? So he's in the movie, and then he also was able to. Um, not only was he in the movie, but he was a guy that kind of took that beating along the wall when the Hansons go in, all three of them, and they're just yeah. crushing this guy in the corner. That's kind of where um, that was him, and it was funny. We were able to do like uh, we were able to do a, a thing on him, so it was it was fun all around. Well, and
0: uh, because of that, we know that Jill Sen is a pretty good actor, uh, based on your uh, little oh, recreation yeah, so I didn't even scene get in. with him.
2: I didn't, I didn't even get into that. Uh, that was basically um, what. Yeah. What that was was uh, sorry, I'm getting yelled at by the by the coach here. We got to hop on the bus here shortly, but uh, yeah, that was that was something that was uh, pretty last minute, and it was it was awesome to see.
0: Uh, well, maybe we'll just get to get one more question and then, um, looking ahead to the playoff push here, um, what's the belief like amongst that group that they can get in and, um, you know, what do they have to do to, uh, to get into that, uh, last spot in the uh, competitive North division here?
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, that that's going to be the hardest part is getting in. Um, and I think, you know, obviously with New Jersey, not being in the playoffs, I, I, th- Think that if they can get in and get all these guys back, uh, uh, um, I think they can make a pretty good run. They, and I don't, you don't want to use the word they've kept it together, but I know, like in Belleville, you, you've had so many roster moves even last year too, and you're able to kind of, you know, keep it together uh, and keep keep winning. So uh, that's that's the big thing. If they can get in. I think they can make a pretty good run uh, through the playoffs. And hey it's you know and you know as well it's all about getting hot at the right time um, that's it and i think they have been getting hot at the right time
0: uh, they certainly have uh, rob lapolis is the voice of the binghamton devils you can find him on twitter at rob lapolis uh, we're gonna have to have you back again man to get into some of the uh, prospects and things like that but uh, uh, we know you got to go catch the bus so thanks for uh,
2: squeezing us in yeah no problem hey guys uh, we'll see you soon
0: 19 of season one of around the a with david Putt and patrick williams on the sports podcasting network it continues thanks to rob lapolis for his time and again you can find him on twitter at rob lapolis and for my money pat one of the uh the guys in this league in uh, the play-by-play position that's doing uh, some of the best work uh social media wise guys cutting highlights mid-game he's uh, acting in in videos with players uh, to provide more content uh, rob's doing an excellent job there in his third season as the uh, voice of the binghamton devils and yeah we will try to get him back uh, on again maybe when he's at home uh, not on the road and not being chased to the bus
1: <laughs> yeah no it's good to see rob uh, rob has been through some lean years there in binghamton uh, and going back to the senators and then the devils uh so for him to have an opportunity here to call playoff uh stretch drive race um, you know great for him robs one of the nicest people you'll meet in hockey and uh like you said a real hard worker and uh he has a chance uh, if that team can squeak in i mean that building can be uh, a tough place to play especially in the playoffs and um it would be fun to see that uh that team uh, start to have some success again because uh there's been a lot of really rough years uh, you know, between both affiliations for those fans there. Uh, ever since they won the Calder Cup back in 2011, there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer for since. So uh, it's a fun it's a fun ride watching this club. Uh, you know, what a dramatic turnaround uh, to go from what they were basically a team uh, winning one out of every three games to now a team winning three out of uh, every four games. So it just uh, it just goes to show you this league, as you have said so many times, is one of streets. But uh, this is uh, quite the streak they've been on for the better part now of three months
0: yeah and uh, we'll get him back on to talk about some of the individuals that are making things happen um for now we'll turn to our american hockey league headlines and uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is not just a headline in the american hockey league not just a headline in the world of hockey um, or the world of sports for that matter but all around the world and uh, the coronavirus outbreak that uh, originated in wuhan china and is making its way around. And and there's some people who are uh, panicking about this and that's not, you know, what we want to do. We don't want to, you know, incite any panic. I think uh, from a news perspective and where I spend, you know, the other chunk of my days, it's uh, it's about being aware without overreacting. Um, So let's look at some of the reactions that we're seeing specifically in sports. Uh, The first being that um, locker rooms are going to be closed to media Uh, for post-game interviews did you uh think that that was a necessary thing do you think it'll make a difference at all either a on uh on the transmission of the virus or b on the work of media
1: well i mean you know i'm certainly not a (laughs) biologist by any stretch but uh i don't think it hurts uh um You know, the less – I mean, some of those NHL media scrums, especially in places like Toronto, Montreal, uh, places like that, Winnipeg, I remember for sure, where uh, you're five or six people deep sometimes and uh, everybody's kind of uh, elbows in each other's ribs and just very much in each other's space. So um, I think, you know, if you can uh, not have that, I mean, to me, I think it's it's an easy decision. I know a lot of people in the media – have their back about that. But I mean, uh, you're in a, diff- obviously in a very difficult situation here, it's, uh, in some ways, uh, unprecedented, at least in most of our lifetimes, uh, you know, and in terms of the general overall sacrifices that, you know, people have made or may have to make, uh, in the future, uh, it seems like a pretty small, um, uh, one to make, and uh, I mean, I think in the, especially the American Hockey League. I mean, uh, most places, I think, especially if you're deal- dealing with the visiting team, uh, it's outside of the dressing room anyway. Right. And for me, that's fine. I mean, uh, I I prefer not to be in the room. Quite frankly, it's uh, just tighter uh, working quarters. Uh, you're in their way. Um, it's noisy. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, the rooms, especially the visiting rooms, are really small. So um, you're, it's just not very conducive to to a good interview and uh, you know sometimes the players are a little bit on the younger side so you get um, one of their buddies uh, kind of teasing them that they're being interviewed so so i much prefer actually just doing it out in the hallway and uh, uh, doing it that way so i think it's fine Uh, i'm not sure how much it will help but i don't think it will hurt uh, in terms of uh, possibly preventing things Um, but uh, as you said i mean it's just uh you know, there probably needs to be some moderation uh, because I mean, you know, if you really start to sit down and uh, do a mental inventory of all the different uh, interactions you'll have during a day and uh, the people who you'll meet and the door handles that you'll uh, go through or that you'll use, I mean, you could almost uh, really start to, uh, you know, play games with your head. So uh, I think this is a case where. The hockey world is, uh, in a lot of ways, just following the lead of, uh, of the greater world at large. And, uh, you know, there'll be some uh, probably missteps along the way as people start to figure things out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where this is going. This is a, this is a strange one. Uh, this is a situation where if you look at uh, Europe now, the German league and then the Austrian league, both have uh, canceled their seasons. Uh, no playoffs, yeah. nothing. Shut it down. Uh, everyone go home. Uh, IHF I, I, uh, has cancelled various uh, different uh, international tournaments uh, I think the big question is if the world championship is next on the chopping block uh, it's uh, yeah it's not great and uh, you know, I think uh, we'll know a lot more yeah, from everyone I, I talk to uh, who's um, a lot more knowledgeable about this stuff probably we'll know more in the next uh, week to 10 days just just um, how much of a hold this is going to have. But if you look around the world, it's not good right now. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much more this uh, could really uh, expand and uh, start to really maybe even threaten the entire season.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, to finish the thought on the no media in the locker room thing, um, I mean, Kev Laramie, who's uh, the, uh, the big guy here with the Sports Podcasting Network, is also the president of the North American Soccer Reporters Association. And uh, he and I were chatting the other day uh, about, you know, what kind of problems that could cause as far as, uh, you know, fair coverage of teams, if you will. And um, I kind of pointed out to him that especially here in Belleville, we do everything outside the room. Uh, home team, road team, doesn't matter. We've, we've uh-huh. been in the room a full one time uh, opening <laughs> night in 2017. Other than that, there's no real need to be in there. I find if if you can, you know, ask for who you need and get them, and that's kind of what I said to him was that I think until it gets to a point where teams stop granting requests or start, you know, making it seem like guys are ducking interviews and things like that then I think it becomes a problem. But I think as long as teams are open to bringing guys out and bringing out whoever the media wants to speak to, things will be fine. Because I've also been in rooms uh, in... I'll use Ottawa as the example where, by NHL mandate, the room is open 15 minutes after the buzzer, but you go in and there's only three guys in there, and everybody else is cleared out, and, oh. and they've already decided who is going to speak that night. So... it. Which is also fine because, again, if you make a request, they'll get you who you need. But I think it's not going to be an issue as far as the coverage goes until and if that starts happening where teams aren't bringing you who you want to speak to.
1: I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, especially in the NHL, you walk into a room and it's like you and the media and you're all just sort of staring at each other like, now what? You know, because the room is entirely empty. Uh, other than the equipment guys and uh, maybe some random staff. But uh, um, it's a little different, I think, in the last uh, 10, 10, 15 years because, you know, there are a lot of these new facilities uh, have uh, separate quarters for players uh, they can kind of go off and uh, duck out of their main room. And uh, that's where you have to rely on your PR staff uh, to be helpful. And, uh, yeah, it is always possible guys could duck. I mean, nobody's – really has to talk. I mean, uh, yes, there's the access rule, and uh, but uh, there's always ways around it. Oh, so-and-so is getting treatment, so-and-so is uh, meeting his family, da 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 So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, just uh, you have to write, write it out uh, and, and that's where if your PR staff is good, and, and for the most part, uh, most teams are at least decent. Uh, there are a few bad clubs uh, at uh, Different levels that are not very helpful. Personally, at this stage of my career, I'm usually able to work around them. Uh, So uh, I I tend to not worry too much about them. Uh, But uh, it's just a situation where uh, you just have to go with the flow a little bit. Uh, You know, there's people out there that are going to be making a lot bigger sacrifices than this. And uh, I agree with you. You know, if it it turns into sort of an excuse for uh, teams to, hide players or or, you know really cut media access down then i think yeah there's an issue there but uh, for right now i mean frankly if i never go in another dressing room that's fine with me uh uh, i think (laughs) anybody that's been in there i mean they're not the most conducive environment uh you know first of all it's about i don't know a thousand degrees in there and and, uh, with the shower going and the the steam coming out and uh the the sweat bags it stinks oh my god (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't really miss that too much. And uh, um, it's fine. I mean, really, uh, I think we're all making a bigger deal of it than it really needs to be made.
0: And I think most reporters know that you get your better stuff probably uh, on practice days or outside of yeah. post-game scrums and uh, and things like that. So uh, uh, lots more to get to here. So maybe we'll, we'll leave the coronavirus thing just on the... Uh, The last point of the San Jose Sharks now being told that they have to play with a thousand people or less in their building. If if this becomes a bigger thing, if more communities start limiting these big events, I think that's where we're really going to see some issue and some impact on this league.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. San Jose Barracuda. They have uh, two games left uh, scheduled uh, as of now for March seventeenth uh, and the twenty second that uh, are not looking uh, like they will happen. Uh, I think fortunately for San Jose, I mean, for one thing, they're out of the playoff race. Uh, number one, number two, uh, they've uh, played off. They've played most of their home schedule already. Uh, two games in in March, two in April, and then that's it for the season. So uh, if you're the Barracuda uh, you'll be able to work around that, uh, for the most part, but, uh, you know, I think, yeah, especially in this league, uh, I'm not sure how well, uh, closing the building would work, uh, just in terms of, uh, teams at this level, obviously it's not a, it's not a league where you're just uh, swimming in money and, uh, you need to really bring in uh, every dollar you can make, uh, through ticket sales, concessions, parking, uh, the whole nine yards. And, uh, you're not if not bringing that revenue in, um, you're in a really difficult spot. So, but uh, you know, I think when all said and done, the NHL or the AHL will follow the NHL's lead, and uh, if that's what it comes down to, well, then I guess we'll have to cross that bridge at that time. But. Uh, um, if it can happen in Germany and uh, in Austria and, and the uh, international tournaments, uh, you know, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that it could happen here. So um, you yeah, we'll have to just keep an eye on this thing. This thing is uh, a challenge I think for everybody. Uh, and uh, you're even seeing teams like the Hershey bears and Rockford and now where they uh, are uh, canceling uh, public events, you know, usually teams like to do community events, uh, meet and greets with players uh, uh, you know, maybe you have a player or two come out and sign autographs at a restaurant. Well, that's not happening now for those clubs. So uh, it's, uh, you know, in some cases, I think, is it maybe a little bit too much? Yeah, possibly. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, the, there's not a great playbook for this. And uh, teams and, and the leagues as a whole are just, I think, having to feel their way through this.
0: Yeah, the key is, um, again, like I said, to to acknowledge that it's going around, to try not to overreact and uh, to do the best we can uh, to be preventative. And I think in the long run, that's what the, all of these sports leagues and these teams are trying to do is, is um, you know, err on the side of caution. And that's why some of these uh, decisions are being made. Of course, we'll continue to follow that here uh, on Around the A. Uh, Let's look at uh, one of the other big headlines Uh, and we mentioned it earlier on in the show uh, with the uh, San Antonio Rampage move to Vegas. Um, The St. Louis blues lose an affiliate. Well, they've got one and I don't know if it's uh, who we necessarily expected it would be, but they're going to join up with the uh, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds. And that now puts the Florida Panthers uh, out uh, in the middle of nowhere as far as uh, having an affiliate. So um, first of all, let's get some reaction on the move to Springfield, and then we'll talk about perhaps the options for um, the Chicago Wolves and the Florida Panthers.
1: Yeah, this is a, uh, quite the plot twist. Do you think back to the AHL All-Star game uh, at the end of January? Uh, Things were uh, more or less uh, pretty calm. And then uh, that uh, Las Vegas-San Antonio deal went down, and that uh, really set off a, a domino effect. Uh That left the St. Louis Blues uh, for the second time uh, since 2017, having to find a new affiliation. Uh, They were not happy with that, to say the least. Um, They've managed to cobble together a deal here with the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, I don't think it's an ideal situation for for either side. Um, St. Louis has had uh, some up and down AHL clubs over the years, uh, But, uh, you know, at least for now, they'll finally uh, uh, avoid the situation that they found themselves in back in uh, 2017-18 where they had to scatter their players around the league. Uh, The the real complicating factor in all this now is that you're matched out at 32 clubs, uh, both at the NHL and the AHL levels. So uh, it really is a one-to-one ratio, and uh, it makes it difficult uh, to have a lot of options, uh, especially if you want to – be anywhere near uh, close to home. Uh, This is geographically not a great fit, obviously, for St. Louis and uh, Springfield, uh, an Eastern Conference AHL club with a Western Conference NHL club. It makes uh, player recalls a little more complicated, uh, but uh, it became very clear that the St. Louis Blues did not want any part of uh, renewing their affiliation ties with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, they've been together for four years. That ended in 2017. Uh, did not end uh, on positive note, uh, I think, to say the least. Uh, so both clubs really, uh, you know, I think, went out of their way uh, to avoid that. Uh, but now that leaves the Chicago Wolves, uh, they're going to be without a, a parent club, uh, at least as of the moment, as well as the Florida Panthers. So, uh, yeah, this league, uh, just when you think things were settling down a little bit, uh, there's a... Uh, <laughs> Real uh, plot twist uh, coming out of left field. Apparently, that whole Vegas deal uh, uh, with San Antonio came together really quickly. uh, And, uh, you know, really, I think, caught uh, St. Louis uh, by surprise. It certainly caught the San Antonio staff by surprise. And um, it's really had a ripple effect uh, all across the league, uh, all the way up even into, into Springfield.
0: And it's made everybody really have to jump to to find fixes because mm-hmm. I mean this season ends in what a month and a half or less, and then you've got the playoff run and and for a lot of teams that are not going to go deep, you got to start looking ahead to next year. And um, San Antonio, Springfield, you know, could be uh, those teams really um, when it comes down to it. Both are on the bubble right now and uh, and need to look uh look ahead uh, does it become a default now that like chicago and florida uh, and florida are gonna team up uh, like you said if we're maxed out is there anything else that can be done or are they kind of in a spot right now where you think that come next season they're gonna have to at least bite the bullet and do it for a year and see what happens
1: yeah it's uh it's a difficult situation uh chicago um they have a certain way of doing things that they like to do and uh that doesn't always sit well with certain NHL clubs. Uh, they've uh, been through a number of affiliations. They were with the Atlanta Thrashers up until 2011 when they went to Winnipeg. Then they partnered with Vancouver for two seasons, then St. Louis for four, and then the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for the past uh, you know, uh, two seasons plus here. So uh, this is uh, another change on the horizon for, for the Chicago Wolves. The natural, yes, the natural inclination or I think assumption would be that uh, uh, you'll see the uh, Chicago Wolves and the Florida Panthers uh, uh, pair up. But uh, I would caution fans uh, to not jump to conclusions. I would say keep an eye on the Carolina Hurricanes affiliation. See, uh, they're currently with the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, rumblings that I've heard and I've confirmed that, you uh, uh, there's a possibility of a change there, and uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I think it's it's a matter of what's uh, what is the NHL parent club looking for. Uh, some clubs like a very hands off approach, where they just want a place to stash uh, a few prospects and then kind of let the AHL club handle the rest. Uh, other teams want much more of a hands on approach. Uh, So in some ways, the Chicago Wolves can be a good fit if you're uh, – it's almost the difference between uh, being a renter and a buyer. If you just want to put your players there and let them take care of it, that's fine. But, uh, you know, where it can get uh, a little uh, difficult is when uh, the NHL club uh, expects to have um, the final say on things and then the AHL club uh, doesn't – always go along with that. So uh, there's some friction. Uh, But I think for right now, um, uh, you're kind of in a um, little bit of a holding pattern as uh, the musical chairs game continues. Uh, But uh, that's where I would advise fans. Keep an eye on the Charlotte-Carolina affiliation and then obviously the Florida Panthers and the Chicago Wolves as well.
0: And this may be a silly question, but maybe it doesn't happen this year. But do you think there's any chance that in – In the future, the board of governors gets together and maybe they chat with the NHL clubs and just say, hey, anybody uh, interested in in trading or swapping affiliations uh, for a deal that might make more sense both ways uh, is or is that far too complicated of a thing to make happen?
1: Well, I mean, it is difficult just in the sense of uh, you have uh, business agreements, but you also have a lot of personal relations. Uh, uh, Certain teams like to work with certain other general managers and vice versa. Uh, So it can be difficult that way. I mean, that was a huge part of what Dave Andrews' uh, job was really for the past 25 years was a lot of matchmaking and uh, trying to bring teams together and find fits uh, where maybe – uh, they existed and sometimes even where they didn't exist and they had to be created. So uh, I, I think it's a situation where uh, if I had to put money on this, I don't expect that uh, in the next two or three years that uh, all the, the pieces are, are in place for now. I mean, uh, you know, the, the emphasis on geographical location and convenience has not uh, uh, subsided by any stretch, even with this, these recent developments. Uh, and I think uh, if you're st louis blues you just wanted to, to find a safe landing spot for right now uh, it's a five-year deal so it gives them a little bit of time now five-year deals in this league uh, uh, tend to not necessarily be written in stone in some cases but uh, if you're the st louis blues and you're a springfield um, it gives both sides a chance to um just catch your breath, reassess things, and, and then go from there. And uh, Springfield's been a pretty dependable uh, uh, member of this league for a long time. One of the real senior uh, cities in this league, uh, home of the lead office. So I think for right now, if you're the St. Louis Blues, put your players there. You reassess uh, down the road, uh, see how you like this fit. Uh, if it works, great. If not. Um, you'll look elsewhere, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a throwback, uh, in some ways having the, uh, uh non geographically proximate, uh, uh affiliation, uh, really the Utica Comets are really, really the only team, uh, with the Vancouver Canucks that truly fit that bill where you're, uh, going, uh, uh, really, really long distance. So, uh, you know, there's a few other clubs, obviously Santa, or Syracuse and uh, Tampa Bay are a bit uh, far, uh, far apart. But uh, yeah, this is a situation where I think uh, for right now it's a holding pattern and then they'll reassess down the road.
0: All right. Uh, We're going to get to Jerry Cantlin in Hartford in just a moment. But uh, um, lastly, let's talk a little bit about officiating because there's uh, an interesting story that's been shaping up over the last, what, let's say three weeks maybe. Um, yeah. Perhaps a little bit more than that, where we've seen kind of a um, a rash of officials' retirements. Um, a lot of longtime American Hockey League, specifically linesmen, uh, working their final games and, and being recognized for the work they've done over, in some cases, 20 seasons or more. Uh, and it's catching, we talked about this, you know, away from the show this week, and it seems to be catching a lot of people by surprise and the big head scratcher is that hey why are you getting rid of all these veteran officials right before the playoffs are going to start and you need them but I, I don't think there's a real official answer although we've heard some rumblings as to you know what might be going on
1: yeah I uh, it, I mean the last number of years has been a real um, uh, topsy turvy time for officiating in this league in general uh, there was the push to get the two referee system in in place so that's uh Um, caused uh, kind of a run on officials and, and, you know, they've had to do that uh, program where they recruit uh, former pro players, junior players to, to look into officiating and and to start. So you're seeing some guys that have uh, not had a whole lot of experience uh, doing playoff games in this league already. And it used to be a much slower uh, road for officials. Uh, they, They spent a long time in this league before they really were able to be a senior official. Well, now you're in the league, a year or two, and you're uh, taking playoff games, and uh, it's just a much different road in a lot of ways. And um, so that was the first thing. The, the second factor was, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the past, let's say, decade or so, there's been a number of. Um, retirements among officials at you know the nhl level and that's obviously a trickle down effect and uh that comes down and uh ends up uh you if you're the american league uh, a number of your officials are pulled up to the nhl and those uh spots have to be filled somehow so uh and then just i think the third factor is the nhl um uh, has um the way they want to do things uh the 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 nhl and the hl uh just renewed their officiating agreement this season so uh I think there's just a, a, a real push here to uh, get a little bit more NHL influence in the officiating program uh, for the American Hockey League, and I think this is the ramifications of that. Uh, you know, by my count, it's been 16 linesmen uh, that uh, have uh, announced their retirements. Uh, you know, a lot of cases seemingly effective immediately. Uh, within the past month or so. Um, so it's uh, it's a little bit unprecedented in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I, I do um, understand where fans are coming from when they're uh, thinking, okay, where are uh, we going to get all these uh, officials to replace these guys? Uh, but the, uh, the NHL has that, uh, that development program that they're uh, really pushing pretty hard. And um, I would expect that that's where uh, you'll see a lot of those uh, linesmen and even some referees start to come from. Uh, to replace some of these departed uh linesmen. And
0: if you uh, take a look in the the press box or scout area in most rinks, most nights there's somebody from the NHL officiating department who is there keeping an eye on things. So they're obviously making a pretty concerted effort to develop officials that way. It, it it in all honesty might be making things tougher for some American League teams and players by, you know, being tossed inexperienced officials, even in regular season games, and we've seen it a bunch, you know, even here in Belleville and and in some other places, but at the end of the day, that's the way it goes. Uh, You need to develop officials, and they got to start somewhere, and obviously, um, you know, mandating time in, let's say, the Ontario Hockey League or somewhere else isn't going to get these young officials to the point that NHL officiating wants them to be at, so this is where they start.
1: Yeah, this is uh, it's classic AHL. This is uh, kind of the uh, the lab uh, where uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the work has to happen, and uh, just like players have to develop and make mistakes, and, and goalies and, and coaches and everyone else. Well, the same is true for linesmen and, and referees, and it's uh, really no way around that. And that's the unfortunate reality, I think, for fans and for teams that uh, you're going to have to to some extent live with these mistakes. Um, that officials make it's obviously anybody that's officiated either hockey or any other sport, really. I mean, it's a difficult job in the best of times. Uh, and especially if you're a young uh, up and coming official trying to learn your uh, or find your footing at this level, uh, it's difficult. So um, there's uh, unfortunately uh, for, I think for all sides, um, it's a little bit of a pinch right now in terms of uh, the supply, uh, but uh, you know when you're having a 32-team league, uh, that's uh, expand you know expanded um, coast to coast um that puts a real strain on the on the system and uh those uh referees they have a tough job uh in this league uh um, they do the three and threes uh except they don't get on a bus after the game and ride to the next city they uh, get in the car and uh, have to make the drive themselves so it's a tough road for those guys i mean you really if you if you want to make the nhl as an official you really have to want it badly and um unfortunately i think for all of us we have to sometimes live with those mistakes
0: Absolutely. Um, So that's another developing story. Lots of developing stories here on Around the A this week, and we'll be sure to follow up on those in the weeks ahead. Uh, For now, speaking of uh, classic American Hockey League, uh, we'll talk to one of the longtime uh, guys who has covered this league, Jerry Cantlin, out in Hartford. Uh, We'll uh, get uh, up-to-date thoughts on the... Wolfpack and maybe get his thoughts as well on this whole uh, coronavirus thing and, and not letting media in locker rooms and things of that nature so uh, Jerry Campley coming up here on episode 19 of Around the Edge. to uh, check in on Hartford with our pal Jerry Cantlin, who's been on the show a couple times with us already, uh, veteran uh, reporter covering the Hartford Wolfpack uh, and uh, things uh, of the uh, nature
3: of the New York Rangers. Uh,
0: thanks for doing this again, Jerry.
3: How's things? Oh, things are doing well. We're hanging in, getting over a little cold. Fine, everything is okay, and uh, happy to be back with you guys. It's
0: uh, pretty well par for the course, I think, uh, everywhere. If you hang out at the rink, you probably are a little sick right now. Uh, I'm battling through one too. Um, well, uh, speaking of illness, uh, kind of going to bring me to my first question. Um, obviously, all this uh, uh, news going around about the coronavirus and and things um, affecting sports teams, and, and in particular the AHL. As a, as a veteran reporter, was curious uh, to get your reaction to the you know news about locker rooms being closed and you know potentially empty arenas, and just kind of how this whole thing is affecting. The world uh, of of sports and the AHL.
3: Uh, it's certainly a, a whole new uncharted territory, Dave and, and Patrick, to be able to, you know, think about this. Um, I, personally, I, I think things are a little um, overboard. I think people are overreacting. I do think people should be cautious. Certainly, you know, practice, you know, the safety things as far as you know, washing hands and taking those sort of precautions are excellent ideas. If areas are heavily affected, or you're seeing a spike and rise in, in the virus, it would make prudent sense. I think the general overall um, overall reaction is pretty, uh, maybe just a little much of overreaction at this point. We're not in Wuhan, China. We're, we're here. There are some cases, and we do have to take things seriously, but I think there has to be a balance, and I think that right now may be missing a little bit, uh, but I, I will say it's Probably one of the stranger things in hockey that Wayne Gretzky was used as a talking point during uh, the uh, National Coronavirus uh, Task Force uh, press conference today. Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, cited Gretzky's uh, famous line about going to where the fuck should be, and he used it as an analogy that they want to go where the virus is. So, we we've uh, uh, hockey, it finds its way in every uh, in every facet it seems. Uh, and uh, I just hope uh, that. Uh, everything can uh, can come to a uh, head soon and uh, we get back to uh, enjoying our lives and enjoying the things that pleases all, such as hockey.
0: Yeah. And b- before we get to some of what's happening in Hartford, uh, do you, uh, do you think the move to limit media from, from dressing rooms is going to make a big difference? Cause I've heard, uh, you know, some reporters claim that it's going to affect how, how their coverage um, is done and things of that nature. But to me personally, it doesn't seem like that big a deal.
3: Um, I can understand that there are certain you know, limitations that you're looking at and uh, trying to be you know, cautious. I mean, just on my own personal level, recently obviously, I mentioned I've had a upper chest respiratory infection. Uh, certainly i said a heck of a lot better than I did a week ago, I can assure you guys. Um, so I was always careful with the players. They're just little fist bumps. You try to do things. Again, being cautious and prudent. Can it affect... Uh, reporting Dave Patrick, possibly. You know, that certainly can be an issue, but again, everything is in the broad scope of trying to, you know, limit exposure. I mean, as we all know, uh, you know, playoff, uh, you know, player uh, locker rooms are uh, are breeding grounds. You know, it, it happens to a lot of people in close proximity. Uh, you know, guys are working out, sweating, uh, you know, excreting fluids. It's, it's, a, it's a breeding ground. There's no question about it. So I think in part that's kind of good. And again, it goes back to even some overreaction here in the state of Connecticut where I live. The state's uh, governing body for high school just today announced that they're canceling all winter sports championships, basketball and hockey. Nobody gets to play for a championship. That's really sad, and I think that's not a good thing. When it comes from a professional level, everybody has to make a decision. If you look at San Jose in the NHL, they're worried because of their proximity and the fact that there has been a spike in cases within California. Uh, so they certainly want to be careful about things. Uh, that's understandable. It's going to be weird, the concept that you might have, you know, an age San Jose game with no crowd or even an NHL game. In San Jose, Uh, they're expecting one on the March nineteenth. At this point, it looks like they they have to make some decisions, and that's uh, a tough thing. Season ticket holders, sponsorships, all get affected too. So, it's a real balancing act right now. That is, as as no pun intended, a very fluid situation, and everybody's going to have to, you know, make you know different decisions and and have to uh, roll with the punches, as they say.
1: Uh, Jerry, uh, switching over to the hockey side, the on-ice aspect of uh, matters. Uh, Hartford now in a real tough spot, uh, lost four of their past five, uh, had a difficult weekend uh, losing uh, back-to-back games against the Hershey Bears. Uh, What's the state of this uh, team right now? Where do you see this team uh, going for the next month or so, a team that had so much promise uh, early in the season?
3: It was looking really good, and they were—they've been riding the, the wave pretty well. But they currently—they've definitely hit a wall recently. Uh, they've had some difficulties, and there's a lot of factors involved for why the team has uh, slipped a bit in the standings. Number one, Hershey's playing outstanding hockey. They now lead the division to have 81 points. Providence also is playing well. They're at 80. Then you've got Hartford right there, 73. So why has there been such a switch? Well, I think in part it's the lack of scoring. Parver's really had a great difficulty over those two games with uh, Hershey. The first game, one nothing game, outstanding hockey game. Really one of the better national games I've seen all season. Very well played by both teams. Uh, you know, just you know, going to be one of those, uh, you know, hockey goals. Somebody gets a good shot and, uh, you know, Ed Wichlow definitely had one uh, and got it. That was a goal, but it was a great game. Second game was a lot different. Four-one, but the second period, Hartford really, you know, dropped the ball. It wasn't good. Uh, their captain Stephen Fogarty was not happy uh, after the game. Really let kind of loose that, uh, you could see it on the bench after the first goal. That you know guys were already you know kind of you know sulking, kind of folding the tent after one goal. This has been building for a while, and I think one of the bigger things is just the lack of scoring. Uh, they're getting from some of their biggest players right now. You look at it, a Fogarty, good hardworking captain, one goal in fourteen games. Daniel Regan, one goal in ten. Vitaly Krasov, high prospect, one goal in fourteen games. You know, uh, that's tough. Um, they also lost some players that you know, Joey Keene was traded Charlotte, uh, Bill Phil D. recalled recall to the Rangers. Uh Boone Evas, who had twelve points in ten games at one point, has now played only one game in fifteen. So you can see where the real problems exist for the Wolfpack is right there. Their primary scorers are not scoring. And that's an issue that their head coach, Chris Knobloch mentioned to me last week. And it really is, you know, evident. And it was evident again on Sunday when they lost four to one. So they only had four goals over the last four games. Very, very difficult going into tomorrow night's game against Providence. Um they got to, you know, write this ship pretty quickly because everybody is right behind them, as well as, you know, Charlotte has been playing very well. They've really done a good job. They cut themselves on 69 points. And Springfield's not far behind either. They're still at 65. So things are very tight. They've, uh, they've got to write that ship pretty quickly.
1: Life after Igor Shosturkin obviously called up about two months ago. Uh, um, how has the team adjusted uh, you know, kind of the mental mindset uh, from uh, having that uh, guy that was such a dependable uh, goaltender back there to, to really uh, you know, cover up a lot of mistakes, uh, and now you don't have that. Yeah, now you have J.F. Berube and Adam Huska. Uh, how, how, what sort of shift, if any, have you seen from, from the players in Hartford?
3: They've tried to do their best, I think, Patrick and, and David, in handling this. Uh, it's tough. There's no question. You look at the records that Igor and left. They're now 10, 11, and uh, 9. Not good uh, since he's left. So they certainly have struggled Uh, after him. He was so good because not only his save ability, but his ability to handle the puck, beat that extra guy, uh, had a great command and control of the game. Uh, He was like like a field general. He really was the way he could be able to operate a game. Um, You know, Adam is a good young rookie, Bet he has those games that any young rookie's going to have. I think he's played pretty well on Sunday. Quite frankly, that four-one score in Springfield could have been a lot worse without him. Um, champ Ruby, really good guy, long veterans, strong record background. Right now, things haven't gone as well as he would have liked. One in five, not what he was looking for uh, in starting here. And they were, acquired him because of his experience, particularly winning the quarter cup in Manchester. Uh, the last uh, AHL team in uh, Manchester, before they moved to Ontario, when the Pacific Division was born. Uh, so it's, not, it's, it's been kind of tough, but it's hard to also pin it on them as well. You have to have goaltender, you got to have goal support. And if you have no goal support, you know, your goal is going do a lot. It can only do so much. you got to be able to put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. And right now, I think that that um, equilibrium right now has not been fully met by the Wolfpack at this point. If they haven't been able to get uh, that sequence that uh, I think once they do, I think that they'll be able to, to hold, get themselves back in a stronger position in the standings, Pat.
1: Another young Russian, Vitaly Krafsov, a ninth overall pick. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, it's been a difficult year for him. In a lot of ways, he went back to Russia and then returned. Uh, what are you seeing from him lately uh, as he tries to uh, figure out this game here in North America?
3: I still think he's making the adjustment. I still think it's difficult. He is, you know, 19 years old. you got to remember that 20, I should say. And he's really got to, you know, he's still making that adjustment. It, there is a real learning curve to coming here. It is a different hockey game. And I still think he's, you know, trying to find his way. And right now, it's he's um, not doing as well as he would like, I'm sure, Or as, as good as the Rangers. But they're, you know, they still have high hopes of them. I, I happen to speak with Jeff the director of player development, on Sunday. And he said, hey, you got to remember, these guys are so young, they're still learning. you can't. Uh, you got to take everything, you know, uh, a- as come. You'd certainly would like to see greater production. He'd like to have some. So um, he's just part of, I think, an overall mosaic issue right now as far as the scoring, as I've mentioned. But it's also been an organizational because not only of him, remember, Leas Anderson, since we last chatted, has disappeared and headed back over to Sweden. Uh, you know, that was um, not expected, but he's the third player, uh, was a draft choice who decided to lead the team, but this is a little different. He put it on his team and went back to Sweden where he's playing now for Skelleftea of AIK in the Swedish Hockey League. And I think that that's a very, you know, a different issue. Vitaly, he was young, learning stuff, so he went over, kind of realized, obviously, it wasn't working the way, like, over there. Came back, so uh, he's winning the good graces, and, and you can give people uh, a mulligan, you know, as they say, to to get themselves back on track. Uh, Anderson's situation is much different, where he just left his team and put on them and demanded a trade. And if you notice, he hasn't been traded. Uh, and you look, for example, that hasn't worked out with a lot of people in the decision. Look at Joshua Sang. He thought he could uh, ask Lou Amarillo to, to trade him at his back and Paul. That did not work out for him. He skated at uh, Father David Bauer Arena in Toronto for two months before he came back to play and was reassigned to San Antonio. Uh, at the uh, AHL trade level, so uh, you know, sometimes you got to know where your, your your space is in life. And I think those things, uh, you know, I think these young players are learning. Uh, is a different; they're a different breed than they were from 10 years ago, even five years ago. Uh, their their expectations are high, but if you have expectations that are high, performance is expected as well. So that's still, uh, as they say, uh, uh, work in progress. Battle.
1: All right. This week, the Rangers uh, they signed uh, one of the top college free agents, uh, Patrick Um uh, But the uh, New York pipeline has uh, some possibilities beyond that. Tyler Wall, Morgan Barron, Keandre Miller, uh, all uh, in the college ranks right now. Um, who are the possibilities that you might see uh, coming out of college, uh, joining uh, the Rangers, and then eventually find themselves uh, with Hartford?
3: uh keandre miller's name has come up often that is a good chance that he may be coming out at wisconsin uh from the badger program as a sophomore uh but that's still to be determined because one of the things is the rangers are very top-heavy organization defensively they had 17 signed defenseman to start of the season uh so the, that's a big log jam and they move brady shea part of the trade deadline now that the captain has been uh, extended. That looks to be next year. That'll be between eighty-four and eighty-eight million. There's a little more room to move on defense, but we still have some players and contracts that have to be uh, to be looked at. So Miller is one. Uh, Katarenko is a, a very good pickup. There's a pickup defenseman Zach Gakari from Brown University was signed, and Michael Lear from Notre Dame was signed uh, as a forward. So there, obviously, there's been a lot of scouting at the collegiate rank to figure things out. Morgan Barron's an interesting uh, situation. He is very highly liked by the Rangers. He has the size, the skill, very smart player, goes to Cornell, and Cornell, of course, is the you know, number one ranked team in the country, college hockey, and they would like to win the national championship. But a good college uh, source explained to me that Morgan Barron changed his major this year. That does not bode well for he's changing his major in his sophomore season that he intends to be leaving school, uh, getting his degree is a very big key for him, and a lot of guys who go to either Ivy League schools or uh, top-ranked you know, colleges are always looking uh, to, to get that, that degree. they worked hard to, uh, to get to that position. Want to be able to use it, but got the lure obviously NHL money and the Rangers wanting, uh, uh, getting a big center down the middle. Um, and you know with Booneevas currently with his injury uh, issues and upper body, they're talking about. They're starting to look at uh, do we have somebody down the middle who could be able to, you know, fill in those shoes, step in and be, be become that younger player developing. So they're pushing hard. They're also scouting, ironically, because uh, younger brother Justin. Uh, who plays with Halifax in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League? Uh, but he's been sideline by a blood clot for the past two months. So there's, you know, there's always a good thing to try to induce somebody to come out. Hey, well, you know, we're looking at your brother, and that uh, that isn't uncommon in hockey. That uh, you know, family uh, members are either hired or, or, <laughs> or in this case, players being looked at being drafted has happened. Remember, we Jimmy Beasy; his younger brother been drafted uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nolan Beasy. You know, and that was part of those whole sweepstakes a couple of years ago. So those are part of the, uh, you know, the arts of the business. Tyler Wall, I think, will be uh, a member of the Wolfpack as soon as the University of Mass Bowl season has ended. Uh, the Rangers are definitely putting a high priority in signing him. He's had an outstanding year. He's a senior season, uh, one of the top, uh, you know, bull prospects in the country. But he does have this unique thing. He can become a UFA because he is now a senior. Uh, he's above 21 years of age, so therefore, you know, he's free and clear. So, you know, the Rangers have a short window of opportunity. The offer they make to him that uh, Tyler Wall will take it. And uh, uh, as uh, General Meyer said to me the other day, uh, you can never have enough control. So uh, that'll be an interesting uh, particular one to watch as we, uh, we're heading into the, the uh, stretch run of the regular season.
0: And just want to get one more uh, thought from you, uh, Jerry, on a uh, a broader storyline around the AHL. Um, The announcement that uh, Springfield would be uh, affiliating with St. Louis next year, and and that leaves Florida kind of out in the mix. Um, What's the uh, the reaction to that, and what kind of effect do you think this is going to have on perhaps some other affiliations around the league?
3: Uh, You know, this is... uh... Patrick and I were talking off the air, and it looked like this was going to be a nice, quiet year, not much was going to happen, you know, we were having uh, the new commissioner and CEO, uh, with Dave Andrews stepping aside after 26 years, and be, you know, seamless transition, and uh, lo and behold, uh, the last, you know, six weeks has turned into, uh, like, who, which tech chair and who's moving and going to be where? has really erupted here. Um, obviously, St. Louis coming to Springfield is a big thing. They had to, obviously, they lost their team. The San Antonio Rampage was purchased by uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, who decided to end their uh, affiliation slash partnership in Chicago with the Wolves early, uh, and then purchase an, Asia, an existing NHL team and move them to Vegas, which they intend to do. It's been approved by the American Hockey League Board of Governors. They'll be in the Orleans Arena next year. Um, and then they're going to be playing in a brand new building that's currently being constructed uh, called the Lifebar Arena, uh, being constructed out of the old Henderson uh, Civic Center Convention Center. Um, so this is a big deal. Uh, that's you know, the solidifying the, the Western expansion of the American Hockey League by going to Vegas. For St. Louis, I mean, their relationship and many people's relationship with the Chicago Wolves has not been easy. There have been four affiliations in the last eight years. Not been happy times. Uh I guess the old adage some play well with others than not. And that's uh, St. Louis was not heading back uh to Chicago. So coming east is, is a bit of a different thing. Um the agreement with Florida was up. Um they were negotiating uh last I had heard uh that you know Florida and Springfield were talking about what to do. Well this opportunity is present itself and in- Many people must realize when Florida was uh, moved to Springfield, it was not at their original suggestion. Uh, This was kind of very uh, inside baseball, and they had to go there. Uh, They weren't very happy, but, you know, they were there. But now it pretty much looks like they're being uh, likely to head to Charlotte and be replacing the Carolina Hurricanes, which is the more interesting part of all of this uh, changes is that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to become the affiliate of the Chicago Wolves. And in part because the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes believes he's spending too much money on prospects that are not going to uh, be playing for the Carolina Hurricanes. You want to focus on paying for the prospects the teams have and Chicago wants to have a, a more, you know, uh, they want a, a competitive veteran team and want a team that wins, and that's that's their their mantra with the Chicago Wolves. They've been a very successful franchise, but it flies a little bit in the face of the developmental concept that now is the American Hockey League. So it's a big switch. There's no question, Dave. Uh, it, it caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, having to make the changes, and you know Dave Andrews as he's stepping out of the American Hockey League has taken a bit of a page on a AAA baseball. If baseball is different than hockey in the minor league sense that when you buy a team in minor league baseball, you have the team you're in. You get the affiliation about who's, who's left it from the stock. It's always been a little different in the American League. They try to marry everybody geographically, and that's been the big thing because of the CBA. Over the last few years, but this was a little different. And now that they, they really liked the Charlotte market, a lot of work was done to redo the Bojangles Arena. So I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen million dollars was done to really put that arena, you know, together and make it as a hockey arena. They've done very well, and they've uh, been very well received. So they didn't want to lose that market. So. Uh, in that regards, you know, I can understand, and uh, it's just part of the changing, you know, fabric and dynamic of the mosaic of the American Hockey League. It's been uh, no longer in Cape Breton and Saint John's and Moncton, and you know, even Lowell and uh, Adirondack, and it's, it's really is a changing league. Uh, you know, and you think of small leagues like a Cape Breton, uh, Pat and I were talking. They're walking their Q team is having problems because they want more, you know, changes to to the arena to make it more modern and more. I think it's gonna be profitable. So it's that, that's a that's, that's a very, very big issue. And I think going down the line, uh, there's gonna be a lot of very big issues, I think, with maintaining some of these smaller markets in such a diverse and large market American, American hockey league uh, going down the line. But I think the you know the league definitely I remember when Dave Andrews was there, guys, uh, when you first took over, part of this west the eight was was Rochester, Newport and the further south of Baltimore, Maryland. It, how, how time came.
1: Yeah,
0: they have. And the, the carousel seems to never stop, but uh, always appreciate uh, Jerry Camlin helping to steady things for us uh, a little bit. Thanks for this, Jerry.
3: Oh, thank you, Dave. Thank you, I Appreciate it, guys. Always love to talk. Call me anytime.
0: set to wrap up episode 19 of around the a on the sports podcasting network david foote patrick williams here thanks to jerry cantlin always appreciate his insight and i uh, may be one of the most in-depth reporters that we have on the program
1: yeah he, he is uh jerry's seen it all uh and jerry's been around for the better part of 30 years he's watched this league uh really go from what was a, a in a lot of ways, a small operation uh, to what it is today, uh, playing in you know a lot of big facilities and big markets. Uh, you've seen that that evolution, and uh, Jerry has a, a real good grip uh, on on the business side of things as well. And uh, you know, and he, I think the biggest thing with Jerry is that he's uh, he's plugged in. I mean, he's come up with stuff, um, rumors uh, that have come true that at the time seemed uh, way out of left field and really kind of outlandish. Uh, And yet he was able to uh, be the first one on that. So, uh, yeah, at this stage in his career, he knows kind of where all the, uh, the skeletons are and where all the, the best sources are. And, uh, he's, um, always one of the first guys I go to, if I have a question and if I want to know if I'm on the right track with something, because, uh, more often than not, he's, uh, really has his finger on, uh, on the pulse of uh, the league and really where things are going. And he uh, can really uh, find that intersection between uh, the hockey side of things, but also the business and the uh, financial aspects as well.
0: Yeah. And I always appreciate his time from Hartford for sure. Uh, let's, uh, before we go get into some of the games to watch this week, uh, I think next week is when we'll really start to uh, break down the playoff picture and uh, who's in, who's not. We could see, Uh, The first team clinched their playoff berth. The Milwaukee Admirals are right on the cusp. A lot of other teams still have some work to do, so we'll save it one more week to get into that. But uh, what matchups are you looking forward to this week?
1: First one I'm looking uh, at is the big... uh Uh, Two games set down in Charlotte, the uh, Charlotte Checkers against those uh, Providence Bruins. We talked about them earlier in the show, and um, uh, they met last year in the playoffs. Uh, Charlotte uh, took that series in the first round, Uh, but uh, it it should be a a real good uh, setup Charlotte will be wrapping up a six-game homestand. They had lost the first two games of the homestand after a pretty successful three-and-three road trip. So uh, I'm looking to see how uh, Charlotte can handle things uh, in that regard because they go back on the road afterwards for another six-game or so. Uh, And as far as Providence, they've been uh, just obviously on a great run here. uh, If They can sustain it going down there. Uh, They can really give Hershey and Belleville a real uh, big push uh, for top spot in the Eastern Conference. So uh, that's the first one I'm looking at. The second one I'm looking at is Colorado-Stockton. Two teams out in the uh, Pacific Division uh, that are uh, really in a tough fight right now. Uh, Second place, uh, Colorado. uh, Third place, Stockton. um, Two points separating them. uh, And Colorado is only three points off the – uh, division lead behind Tucson So um, it's a real good matchup uh, They've had some good games this year already uh, And they uh, also pl- play Two game set uh, out in Stockton uh, so interested to see Where they can go with uh, yeah, Both clubs uh, Because that's uh, that Pacific right now Is down to pretty much a five team race uh Bakersfield has fallen way off the pace uh so it's Ontario San Diego uh battling for fourth and then you have uh Tucson Colorado Stockton uh in that top three so uh but either way uh really good clubs probably gonna well not probably will be left behind uh won't make the playoffs Uh, But uh, really, none of them have any uh, real great uh, amount of uh, leeway right now to uh, have any sort of sustained slump. So uh, that's a a real good matchup out there in the Western Conference this weekend.
0: Looking at the playoff primer from uh, the American Hockey League, most teams uh, with 14 or 15 games left, you've got uh, one team in there, Charlotte with 17, and the lowest number to clinch, magic number, uh, which is wins needed. Uh, or combined with losses of those on the playoff bubble, four for the Milwaukee Admirals. But after that, the next closest division leader to clinching their magic number is still at fourteen. Uh, that's Tucson in uh, in the Pacific Division, seventeen for Belleville in the North, fifteen for Hershey in the Atlantic. So still uh, seven plus wins for for most of those teams before we really get an idea of uh, who is going to uh, be on that run towards the. Calder Cup this season and again of course we will uh, take a look at that next week uh, among with a whole lot of other fun stuff Uh, we'll have some more guests uh, and uh, inside info for you and if you've got some thoughts on Stories you'd like us to discuss, guests you'd like us to speak to. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, send us an email at at gmail.com or get us on Twitter at aroundtheapod uh, at Patrick Williams at PWilliamsNHL or uh, myself at Footy on the Air, and uh, we'd love to hear from you and get a little bit more feedback on how things uh, are going and what you'd like to see moving forward uh for now thanks again to jerry Cantlin and rob lapolis and to you for listening we'll talk to you next week when we hit milestone episode 20 on around the a on the sports podcasting network thanks for listening to around the a be sure to tune in again next week find
2: around the a on the sports podcasting network itunes Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Interact with us on social media. Give us your thoughts using the hashtag AroundTheA and follow us at AroundTheA Pod.